The Business Animal Podcast is proudly sponsored by WP Engine, your resource for managed WordPress hosting, and Keep, the premier CRM software for small business. Head over to thebusinessanimal.com for the best deals on these two amazing products. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about something I bet you all are curious about if you haven't done it. And if you have done it, you're probably curious if you could have done it better or differently. And that is creating a digital product for your business. Now, what do we mean by that? And why on earth would you want to do it. So digital products are really good for two purposes, in my opinion, and there's actually probably a lot more than that. But first of all, they're great for building your list because they give you an opportunity to kind of trade what you know or something that you can give to your target market that they will exchange a little bit of money possibly as well as information to join your list. So it's a nice introduction into your business, especially if if you have something that is a little bit pricey, it gives people an opportunity to be able to step into your world and get to know you and your brand without a huge investment. And then the second thing is, is that they can put good passive income in your pocket. And who doesn't want more of that, Kara, right? <laughs> I'm a big fan of more passive income in my pocket. Yes, please. Anytime. Bring it my way. <laughs> yes, anytime. <laughs> so specifically, when we're talking about a digital product, we're talking about about things that exist kind of in the virtual world that there, you wouldn't like exchange a physical item for, although sometimes digital products and physical products can get attached to each other. But in this particular episode, we're talking about things like online courses, e-learning materials, e-books, stock photography, stock video, music, subscription content, podcasts, downloads, basically anything where you can express information in exchange for a person's commitment to your list or for money that is in your pocket. So our big three for this particular episode is number one, get a good idea mapped out. Number two, produce it. And we're going to give you some tips about that. And then three, deliver it. So those are kind of the three steps. Now, there's some things you might want to do before you even start getting your idea like really honed in and mapped out. Kara, do you have some suggestions for people about how to think about what they're going to do or what they should do maybe in advance of getting started on that first step? Well, I know that people need to think about you know, is this going to be something they're doing as a list builder or do they want it to become passive income? Do you believe, Kim, that people need to know that answer first before they start mining for ideas or can they mine for ideas and then make that decision? So I think that the first thing people need to do is discover what their preferred mode of communication is. So just like I advise people with social media to look at how they like to communicate that's where I would start. So 
in the list of things that we gave, if you like to teach, then an online course or some e-learning materials would be good. If you like to write, then an ebook would be good. If you're super comfortable on video, but you're not really great with the written word, but you can show people something, you can demonstrate it well, then the video equivalent of an ebook, which we might consider more of an online course per se, but sometimes it's just a video that you show people how to do something or give them an educational lesson. So if you're good with audio communication, like talking about it, that is a really good thing for you to do if you're good with with verbalization and demonstrations. If you have a talent like photography or music or something like that, then you could extrapolate on that. We have subscription content listed in the things that we can do. So membership programs would be part of that, like membership programs and subscription content. The people who love to create community. So those of us who are the big extroverts who really want to include a lot of people in things and talk to people a lot and really get people to interact with each other on a regular basis. That means if you're good at that, that would be a good option. So first of all, I would check in with myself and say, what am I good at? What do I really love to do and what am I drawn to? Then I would take a look at what do I really want to get out of this? Do I want to make money with it or do I want to use it to build my list? Now, here's a truth that I'm going to give everyone. I'm not going to tell you sunshine and roses about maybe creating an online course. So I have people come to me frequently with an idea for creating an online course around whatever program that they have going for whatever they're doing. I mean, it's and it's a multitude. It runs across all kinds of industries that I run into. And they're like, I have this million dollar course idea. And they do. It's an outstanding course. But then when I ask them, how many people do you have on your database? How many people do you have as a direct contact? How many people do you have in your client base? And they don't have a lot of numbers. The sad fact is, is that their course isn't going to be a million dollar course because they don't have the database and the client base yet to support it. So that's one of the caveats. And it's a consideration when you're thinking, do I want to be able to make a lot of money from this or do I want to use it to build my list? So if you use it as a list builder, then you obviously aren't going to want to give away like your big program, right? (laughs) If you're doing an online course. Right. You you may want to hold that. (laughs) Yeah. You may want to, you may want to step people into it, like do something that would prepare them for being able to go into the bigger course, offer it for, and I, I'm not a proponent of offering free content. So especially when it comes into training content, I'm cool if you only want to charge 99 cents for it, but charge something because people, even 99 cents will get people to open the package and take a look around in it because they had to exchange some financial consideration or energy for things. Whereas when you do it for free, I, I have given away a lot of free courses. I have two of them in Kajabi right now that I routinely pass around. And when people ask me, you know, hey, do you have a free course that I could take or that we could use in this marketing program when our partnership? And I'm like, yeah, and I use them for that. And I have to tell you, I am very saddened by the fact that people don't complete them. They're really not hard. One of them only takes less than two hours to complete and people don't make it through it. And I'm 
convinced because it's free because anytime I do a paid course and I charge people anything, they get at least three quarters to all the way through it. And if you check in with yourself, because we've all consumed these online digital products, if you check in with yourself free, a lot of times it just sits there in your computer. You have your login. You maybe watch the first 15 minutes of something if it's a video or read the first couple of paragraphs. And then you set it off to the side and say, I'll do that later. It's not because you don't like it. It's just because you don't get there. And when you're trying to build a business where you have some of these digital products and you want it to make that passive income, you need people to be successful with it because that's what's going to keep them coming back. So it's important that you do that. So the second consideration I would have is, okay, can I sustain something that is paid? And if you have a, if you have a fair database, I mean, if you're charging enough for it, 25 people is a good size database. But if you want, you know, like the bigger numbers and stuff, it may be something smaller that you have to consider to start off with. And it, consider it more of a list building activity than a, a true like money making passive income opportunity, but then build toward that. So use it to build toward it. And I know that was a really long answer to a very short question. <laughs> But did that help? <laughs> well, no, that's okay because that got me, I think that moves us kind of where we're going anyway. So that idea of is it a list builder, is it a passive income is essential, but you also have to think about, you know, what mode are you going to put it out in? Like, how are you going to get this out into the world? Because I think that that does kind of shape what you put together and your piece around, you know, free content, maybe holding off your million dollar idea and create something else in the meantime, that'll help grow that list so that when you're you're ready to roll out. It's all about kind of building, you know, building the hype, growing your wait list, that sort of thing for the product. So, okay. So the next step of that then I think is you've got to start mining for ideas, right? Thinking about where can you find those ideas? And that can be hard, especially if you, I don't know, like if, if this is not something you've done before and you're having to think about like what would be useful for people, what would they be interested in? I have a few ideas. Do you want me to run through them? Absolutely. Okay. So I think you need to start super small and super simple. Just keep it simple to begin with and look at things that you're already managing on a daily basis. For example, have you already created a FYI section for the work that you do? Go look at that and see the types of questions that people have asked you over and over and over again that you've had to provide answers to and provide help about. That might be something that would be really relevant to your industry and you might be able to create something that would be of interest to people and would be something that people would want to download or learn more about. Think about what it is that you're known for within your industry. Is there something really unique that you do? Is there something that people are coming to you for that they want to learn? Or maybe that when people say, oh, you know, you're going to go talk to Joe the Farrier. This area is something that he's really an expert in. So think about something along those lines. You might be able to create something from that. What did you wish you had when you first started out? I love this one. When I first started as an equine photographer, there were things that I would have done differently. There were things that I wish I would have known. And if you can think back to that time and start jotting down some of those things, that might be your next product. That might be your next digital product that you're able to put out there because there's going to be people that are in that same place that you were at one time and having something really valuable that can take them to the next level and maybe, you know, bypass some of the hurdles that you went through. 
think about what you're passionate about. Is there something that you can talk about all day long that gets you excited that maybe you're, I don't know, that you just are kind of really researched in or are really comfortable talking about? That might be a great place for you. Another fun way to come up with ideas is to poll your audience or to create a survey for your audience. This could be for your existing mailing list. It could be for your social media um, crowd. It could be to folks that you've educated in other ways before, but find out what they want to hear more about, what they want to learn more about. Either give them some options to think about or just ask, just put some questions out there and you might be surprised what you find and you might be able to pull some ideas that way. Every small business owner wants to gain traction in their marketing. After three decades of working with small business owners just like you, I have developed what I call my 4x4 marketing method. In just one 90-minute session, you'll discover the four major focus areas of a successful marketing plan, and together we'll uncover where your business is getting stuck. You'll leave the session with an action plan of next steps that engage your revenue engine. Drop by bemorebusiness.com to request your session today. That's B-E-M-O-R-E business.com. See you there. I think those are all great ideas. And if you are struggling to figure out maybe what your target market needs or is interested in, and you have an idea that maybe has come up like right now while you're doing this, while you're listening to the podcast, first of all, stop yourself in your tracks and write that idea down because that idea may not come back around. But if you do have those ideas, kind of flesh it out a little in your mind and then maybe ask a couple of customers that you think would be like your ideal customer to come back into your business and sit down with them for a cup of coffee or invite them to a Zoom or a phone conversation and ask them, if you had this, you know, would it be of interest to you? What would be the value of it? Say, I think I'm charging 99 cents or $99 or $999, you know. By the way, here's here's an interesting little psychological thing about pricing these. This is going to be a little side road. There has been studies that prove if you put your digital products with the last digit of seven, like 97 cents or $97 or 997, you will sell more than if you do a five or a nine. So we tend to do five or nine, but it's a weird psychological thing that in pricing that they've done a lot of studies on. And the number seven on the end of of the price tag tends to be the one that will get the most hits. So interesting sidebar on there. But ask your customers. Okay, that's really weird about the seven. And I'm sure that that's something I should have known already out in the world. But that's really interesting. I just wanted to add something I have done in the past for like inspiration. And this is more about like building content, but this would work really good, I think, for creating a digital product is there's Facebook groups that you're probably a part of that are in your industry. Sometimes it's fun to go back and just scroll through the posts and look for questions that people are asking and see if that's something that you could answer with the digital product of some kind. There might be, if the people are asking that question and it's coming up over and over again, I mean, it might just spark interest. It might get you moving in the right direction. So use those kind of free resources that are out there that you're already in a little more strategically. Absolutely. And you had put Google on the little list here. And when you Google the question, it'll come up with other customers also ask or people also ask. I love those. Those are the best. Yes. Those are the best. I was hoping you talk about that. 
When you're doing target market research, I've used that so much more. I love that. It's one of my favorite things about Google is because it not only answers your question, but it answers the question you didn't know you had. <laughs> right. And and since we've started this podcast, I have started doing that and really, really paying attention to that because a lot of times I'll ask the question and then I'll be like, wow, okay, that's actually the better question <laughs> right underneath that they suggested for me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me laugh. Because we have That's um, the better question. We have the Google. Um, I don't know what it's called. It's like the Alexa, but it's the Google in your house, and and we have to say, "Hey Google, play music," or "Hey Google." So we have that in our house. So a funny story. Easton does things all the time. He has questions, and he's like, you know, "Hey Google, what's the tallest building in the United States?" Like he has questions, right? So <laughs> the other day, he was trying to determine. This is probably gross for some listeners, but he was trying to determine if men's or women's farts smelled worse, right? <laughs> so he was asking Google, Google, like, whose farts smell worse? And I was like, how are you ever going to get an answer from that? And Google goes, men and women have different smelling farts or something. It like, it was like, it came up with the question before <laughs> better question and it answered it. And we laughed and laughed, but it's such a great example. Like, of how you sometimes you don't you think you have the right question but then Google will be like no no you're asking the wrong question this is what you really are trying to get to and so by the way apparently women's farts are smellier I don't believe it but that's what we learned by Google <laughs> that's fascinating so. and I'm just thinking there's a whole group now we need to move on right away <laughs> there's a whole group of baby boomer parents out there that are going and Gen X parents probably the older versions of them that are going damn it where was this thing when I was a parent we had to try to answer those questions when we could have just passed it off to Alexa and the Google, no Google voice dude. Anyway. All right. So back on track. You just have to be careful because, well, hold on. You have to be careful because what happens is you tell your child something in your authoritative voice and then they turn around and question Google to check your answer. So you have to be super careful. And I, I found myself more than once being like, do not go and ask Google. Do not ask Google. I told you the answer. I am your parent. <laughs> yes. And and how old is Easton today? Easton's birthday is today when we're recording. It's his birthday today. Of course, it won't be when folks are listening, but he's nine today. So he's nine. So I'm going to tell you, Kara, that whole thing that happens right there, it happens when they're 30 too because I'll tell Nick something and he'll be like oh, I don't believe you and he'll go google it and come prove me wrong <laughs> <laughs> or or prove me right which happens great which happens more than he would like by the way so anyway back on our topic here we hope you've enjoyed that <laughs> back on comedic track. diversion of the day but once you have your idea then you need to get into this step of, of mapping it out. And having been someone who has created a multitude of digital products, not only for myself, but for my clients, I'm going to tell you the number one thing you need to do is create an outline. Do not skip this step. I am not a huge person on being highly organized, as Kara can tell you before you go into something, but I can tell you when you're creating this digital product, <laughs> you need to do that step first. And then if you're creating a product that's going to have any type of graphics with it, you need to have all of your graphics created before you start adding whatever the next level is, like the words or the video, especially if you're doing video. Because what 
happens is you will do something with the graphic and it will alter the way that you speak about something. And if you don't have the graphics completely solidified, you don't know how to talk about it. So it's really weird. Just do your graphics first. Trust me on that. Do your outline, then do your graphics. And that kind of sounds a little backwards, but it'll keep you honest. And if you do it for the entire thing, like when I create online learning and I've, I've done this a lot. So when I do it, I write my outline completely out and I go over it and think about it and mull it over and make sure that I think I have all the little bits and pieces done. Then I go back and I create all of my graphics that'll go with the videos. So sometimes it's slides, sometimes it's diagrams if I'm teaching photography. Like when I do Lightroom, I, I have to have diagrams that show people how the library system works in there. So I will create all of my visuals to go with it and I have them all done for the entire thing. If I'm starting it, doing it from start to finish, I will do all of that. If I break them down in my modules, break them down in little bits for people to learn, I do all of it. Then I go back and record. So it's really important that you have everything organized before you start doing whatever the final form is of what you're going to create. I did the same thing when I wrote my little sales book. So I created my outline for my sales book and then I created, I don't have graphics in the sales book, but I had specific points that I wanted to make. So I went back and made those in each little thing. And it was very important that I have that outline completely fleshed out before I started doing a lot of serious writing on it. Anything you want to add to that, Kara, with your organizational sense? Because I don't have a ton of organizational sense <laughs> and those are those are the things that I do. Yeah, I I think the big thing for me that I'm sure folks can relate to is that you have to get started. And there's a little bit of like paralysis at this stage where you don't know how to start or where to start. So saying something as simple as like doing an outline, even that can feel kind of daunting. But I think what happens is, and, and what I have found has happened, is if I just sit down with the intention to do it and start putting something down on paper, then it starts to flow. But you have to get yourself to that place because you can have all the great ideas in the world. I've got, Kim, I got tons of great ideas. I could form several more businesses in my brain. But the fact of the matter is, is I can't, sometimes the hardest part is doing it and getting that next step down. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is like, you know, starting having an idea, Kim says, start with an outline. Okay, we're going to start with an outline. That's step one for us. So let's sit down and just set the intention, set the time and start doing it. I would just add at the end when you've got your your product together, you've got something together that you do need to take some time to get feedback, have it proofread, do some tweaking before next steps. And then Kim coined grammar goddess. So find yourself a grammar goddess that can also provide feedback. So um, I know Kim's going to give some more details around some DIY steps, but I just, that's the biggest thing for me that produce it. You make it sound so easy. You put a little <laughs> exclamation point after it and make it look so happy. But the truth is that's sometimes the hardest part when you have to just sit down and take the first step because that can be the hardest. Absolutely. And if you do that as a baby step, so 
I think people get themselves overwhelmed a little too quickly with stuff like this. They're thinking 10 steps ahead. They're thinking about the delivery. They're thinking about the creation. Stop for a minute and just take it one day at a time, one moment at a time. And with your outline, this digital product does not exist today, okay? It doesn't exist and it doesn't have to exist tomorrow. What it has to do is evolve over time. So let yourself have that outline time. Let yourself have that time to really think about it and write stuff down. And I do agree with Kara, set even 15 minutes on your phone and say, I'm gonna think about this for 15 minutes. Jot down your ideas and, and just be present with the idea that you're doing. As far as producing it, which is the number two on our big three, that part befuddles a lot of people who have a really good idea. They've got an outline. They've even got some things created toward it and then they get super freaking stuck on the produce it part. So there's two ways you can go about this. You can hire somebody to help you produce it. There are talented virtual assistants, graphic designers, video producers, all kinds of people out there that will help you create what you envision. However, those people get a paycheck and with rising costs and stuff like that, if you're wanting to produce a 99 cent product, chances are you're probably not going to have the budget to go and hire people. Now, I can tell you that a lot of these digital products are really good marketing materials. So if you want to pull money out of your marketing budget for this, I think that that is a solid idea and hiring that person to make your life easier would certainly be beneficial. But I also know that the people listening to this podcast are small business owners. A lot of times you're a one woman or one man show and you're not going to have the budget necessarily to go pull that money out of a marketing budget to be able to hire someone to do it. So I want to give you some DIY ideas. Are you looking to bring awareness to your equine-based product or service or create a unique way for your audience to feel connected to your brand? Quality horse photos tell your story and breathe life into your marketing. They draw your customers in and create an emotional connection. Powerful images communicate your core values and highlight the benefits your product offers, ultimately proving your business is a voice your customers can trust. It's time to use dynamic images that define your small business and separate you from the rest of the herd. Fast Horse Photography's professional photo library features thousands of searchable images available for businesses just like yours. And guess what? 100% of those images are horse-related. Now, finding the right horse images for your website, social media, and marketing needs is easier than ever. Help your audience see that your brand offers the answers they are looking for. Search for the perfect images for your equine business right now. Spur your customers into action with FastHorsePhotography.com. That's FastHorsePhotography.com. So if you're doing something written that's going to be visual, like a downloadable PDF or something along those lines, even an ebook, let's say, my go-to tool for people is Canva. Now, it's not the tool I use. I will 100% tell you I use a lot of Adobe software and I use my Adobe software to create my downloadable content. But I also have a huge learning curve that I've been over for I've been with Adobe software for decades and I know it inside and out and it's easy for me. And the, the thing that happens here, I think with a lot of people is they get tech overwhelm and Canva does a 
bang up job. It has templates and there's not a lot of tech overwhelm. It's super easy to use. There's a ton of videos available on it that can show you how to do it. And you can create a really easy digital product in there. They even have things now where like you can do a presentation and record it. So you can do screen recordings inside of Canva with complete with audio and everything. They have templates for like downloadable stuff. If you have a long ebook, Canva's not going to be a comfortable solution for that. There are other tools that might be better. But for most people, for what you're going to create visually, Canva should be your go-to tool. And it should definitely be the first place that you take a good look. Yeah, Kira is holding up her beautiful book that she created inside of Canva. I created my artwork book in Canva and the whole thing, and it's 16 pages, I mm-hmm. think, or something crazy like that. But I did every page. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. In Canva. And it's so pretty. I did it as a I wanted just to try it to see if it was possible. And I got going and couldn't stop. And it turned out so nice. It's got all my pricing and everything. But the reason I say that is because you can do more substantial things in there. And while I've, I'm comfortable with Photoshop for the most part in Lightroom and that sort of thing, I'm not comfortable with the graphic design. And so for me, having these tools was really helpful. And I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of people out there that probably are not graphic designers. And I'm not saying that it should replace the work of an amazing graphic designer because there's so much more involved in really good graphic design. So if you want to hire someone and it works and makes sense budget-wise for the project, do it. But if you are doing a freebie or you're doing, like Kim said, a 99-cent piece, Canva can be pretty awesome. It can. It can. To me, a blank page does not scare me. A blank page is full of possibilities. But a lot of people, when they see a blank page, are like, what the hell do I do now? You don't start out with a blank page on Canva. You start out with something and then you change it. And that oftentimes is so much easier than it is with something else. So if you're creating an online course, the fact that Canva has that ability to be able to record the presentation, all of the stuff that I just talked about on Canva, that's going to come with their membership fee. And please don't gripe at Canva for charging you $12.95 a month, especially if you would know that Adobe charges me $65 a month to be able to use InDesign and Photoshop and those things. But the $12.95 a month, their producers, I mean, those people work hard. So let's support them financially so they can keep doing what they're doing. But if you want to be able to record your screen for some reason, like you're teaching something, somebody on a computer, the tool that I use for that is called Camtasia. So Canva is the one, and then not to confuse you, it's Camtasia, C-A-M-T-A-S-I-A. And if it's by a company called TechSmith, but you can just Google Camtasia. And it's a screen recording software. In my opinion, it's the best screen recording software out there. I love it. It's, it's a really easy software to use, and it's an easy software to produce videos on. So you can actually do a lot of video production on it, like where you would film something somewhere and then use it. And I have people who are absolutely computer illiterate and within 10 minutes, I can have them using Canva by themselves. So it's so, so easy to use and it's so easy to understand. So that takes care of like the written PDFs. 
can you film something somewhere else, bring it into Camtasia, and then talk about it in Camtasia by recording it that way, like, and bring in the other video? Like, does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. In roundabout way. Okay. It does. And you that, by the way, that could be on your phone. I mean, you could, and, and please do not think you have to go and invest in some really expensive camera to be able to film a video. Now, if you're going to go out and you're going to charge $1,000 or $2,000 or $10,000 for this course, for all sakes, hire a video professional, right? Because they have the tools to do this. And if you're charging that price point, spread the wealth a little bit, but also spread the quality. If you're, if you have a 99 cent video that you want to create, let's say, let's say you are a horse massage person and you want to teach people a couple of little things about maybe how to stretch their horse a little bit. And so you create a video about that. Have your buddy hold the iPhone. <laughs> and record it, please record it horizontally. Vertical video is for social media. Horizontal is for training. So make sure you hold that horizontal. But you can do that with that phone and then you can put it into Camtasia and talk over it. And you can even stop it and put little like graphics over the top of the video. Again, Camtasia makes it easy. And like Canva, Camtasia has templates. So it has things that are kind of already pre-designed. So you don't have to think about it like intros and outros and stuff like that. So it's a good investigation. And yes, you can take video off of your phone or off of a video camera and put it into Camtasia. All right, so if you want to do audio or interviews or something like that, there are two tools that you can utilize. One is Audacity, and that's spelled A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. And it is a, what we call shareware software, so it's free, but they will ask you for donations. <laughs> They're kind of like nonprofit software if you haven't run into them before. And there's a whole, whole variety of nonprofit software out there. So the developers have to eat too. So feed them well and send them a little bit of money for using their software if it's something you want to keep. But Audacity will let you do multi-level recordings. It's not the easiest software to understand, but it's pretty user-friendly. I've put it into, I put some people into it for audio recordings and it's on your computer. It's not like the way that Kara and I record the podcast. We use something called Riverside so that Kara can be in Florida and I can be in Missouri and it is a paid software. So that's something else you might want to look into. It's called Riverside.fm. We've been very pleased with it in the podcast recording. And then the other one would be Zoom. Zoom lets you do recordings, lets you keep a hold of them, and you can extract the audio from Zoom, or you could even keep the video if you wanted to create something where more than one person that's in a different place is talking about something. Things like Riverside are things that you're going to pay for ongoing. Zoom is something that you can do to a certain amount for free. So I'm always trying to find people free, low cost or no cost tools. And so those are some ways that you can get your PDFs together. You can get your audio together. If you're doing an online course, there's a couple of tools that I have for you that you can create your course in. One of them would be called Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. Kajabi is expensive, but again, I'm going to tell you on usability, it is super easy for people who don't have a lot of technical skills to use and set up. And then another one that I'm using right now is called Samcart. That's S-A-M-C-A-R-T. 
And that one is a much less expensive, but not quite as user-friendly. If you've created online courses before in software, that would be easy. There's some other ones that you can check out too. There's Thinkific is another one that you can utilize. There's a, there's a bunch of them. And then finally, if you're wanting to do like a membership program and you're wanting to step into it kind of quietly without a big bunch of fanfare and some customized software, you can check out something called Mighty Networks, M-I-G-H-T-Y Networks, that will have like an online course membership area, area where people can chat back and forth and that kind of thing. So that's another one that you might want to look at. And the reason why I mention these with number two, um, with the producing part of it is, and we're going to carry it over now into the delivery part, but there are places that house this information and they give you an opportunity with like the online course and with the membership areas for like subscription content and stuff like that for people to be able to come and get that and then to keep it locked down so that not just anyone can get in there and you have are able to track it and keep track of it. And I would be remiss if I don't mention one other thing for the folks that are artists out there and that's Patreon. That one is a it's kind of like a subscription service that supports artists, but take a look at it. We'll put a link for that in the show notes. All right, now let's talk about delivery. Do you have anything you want to add to the produce it part, Kara? Nope. I think we covered all of it. So I've used some of these programs. Some are easier than others, in my opinion, as someone that's not as tech savvy as you. But I think people just need to decide what they're going to do and then figure out the best course of action from there. So I love that we at least have a starting place for folks to kind of research. Yeah, a lot of different suggestions in there. I know it's an overwhelm of information, but it does give you a wide range of things to look at. And again, I'm going to say something else here. There's nothing wrong if you're just like overwhelmed with the produce it part. Don't let that stop you from getting through to the other side. If you need to hire somebody as a consultant to help you through that, like pay somebody for an hour or two of their time to help you research out and understand or do some training around those tools. I do that all the time for people and I am not a one woman island. I mean, there's there's other consultants that do the same thing in your locality or in your industry. So find somebody and ask them questions and, and get them to help you with it. All right, let's scoot on to delivery. So this is another place that I see people get really hung up is like, how do I get this from, from what I've done in Canva to something that people can pay 99 cents for and download on my website? That's a big hurdle. It sounds super easy for me to say it, but in practice, if you don't live in this world, it's a vacuum out there between where you are and where you want to go and you don't have any way of getting across it. So there are checkout tools that are created specifically for this. So PayPal has one that you can use. So if you use PayPal to collect payments, there are some shopping cart buttons and some things that you can create in PayPal and use the code on your website to be able to check people out with payment. And then you can use email for the delivery of the actual product. So you would create a PayPal payment button. People would do it. Square is another one. Kira just put in there. Square is, is another way to do it. Stripe is another one if you want to know as well. QuickBooks, all of those accounting softwares that allow you to create a button that allow people to pay for things. And then once they've paid for it, you can deliver it. So here's another place where people get a little bit hung up 
on the money aspect of things. So it's okay if you if you just get your email in PayPal and email the person whatever it is that you told them you would send them. So maybe you've created a PDF or a video link or something like that. Now you want to send it to them. They've paid for it. You don't have to have some fancy automated system to deliver it. You can just send it to them. If you're only selling 30 or 40 of things a week or a month, that's not a big deal. If you're selling a thousand of them a day, then you want to have those automations in because it'll start to eat up all your time. But to start off with, it's perfectly fine to have a PayPal button. Look at your PayPal sales report, get the person's email address and send them what they ordered, right? So just like you would fulfill off of an online store. Etsy and Shopify both have tools that allow you to deliver digital products. I buy a lot of digital products on Etsy because I buy paintbrushes for my Procreate software on my iPad. So I buy a lot of those things on Etsy. I'm always buying buying new stuff on Etsy for that. Shopify also allows you to be able to do downloadable products, digital products. And then if you have a WordPress website, so Shopify is a standalone shopping cart software. So it's an online e-commerce system that is standalone. If you have a WordPress website, you can buy a optional plugin called WooCommerce and that's W-O-O Commerce, that will allow you to create a shopping cart with downloadable digital products on your WordPress website. And then in addition to that, if you're doing the membership program, there's about a bajillion membership plugins that you can get that will allow you to do membership management. I don't know about any of those personally, but they're, they're definitely out there, so research them. You can also use a third-party tool like SamCart or Mighty Networks if you're creating that, again, that membership or subscription software. And then you can use a professional email marketing tool such as Keep or Constant Contact or MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or any of those out there. Emma is another one to deliver the item via email if that is what you're going to do. So there's a ton of options out there for the delivery, starting at the most basic with like the simple PayPal, Square, QuickBooks, Stripe option, and then you just taking the order and sending it. Both YouTube, by the way, if you're hosting videos and you want to sell a video, both YouTube and Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, it's video with an M instead of a D, offer you an opportunity to lock down your videos to be unlisted or only available via a link so that you can email people a link to a video if you did a video and be able to deliver it that way. Vimeo even has it so they have to have a password in order to watch the video. And Vimeo has a free subscription as well as one that's like $10 a month. It's not hugely expensive. So it's it's a really good tool. I love Vimeo for sending out paid content because you can control things about the player that you can't on YouTube and you can control what they see after. And YouTube doesn't always allow you to do that even though I'm a huge fan of YouTube. Vimeo I like better for my paid content. So okay Kira, I just overloaded people with information. <laughs> Well, I would add to people too, like you don't necessarily have to go out in search of something new. I think we talked about this on the last episode or one of the last episodes where, you know, sometimes you're already using something that just has this option and you just 
don't know it yet because you didn't need it. A great example is I use Squarespace for my website and I just hopped on to double check. And yes, they allow you to sell digital content and have direct download from your site. And so that's a great example of, you know, I already have this. I'm already paying for it. I'm just not using it right now. So go and look at what, you know, you're, what are you currently using for your website? What are you currently using to send things to your clients already? Because you probably or possibly are already paying for a program and it'll do what you need it to do. The same thing with Canva. Like I'm always surprised with Canva. I have a monthly subscription with them, but there's so many things I'm not currently doing with Canva that's possible. Just take a moment and go back and look at what you currently have and don't necessarily jump right to, I've got to have a subscription to another service to get this done correctly. Absolutely. And you do not have to start where you're going to end. All of this stuff is you can pick stuff up and move it from one place to another as your project grows. So start small and grow it out just like you did your business. Maybe you started your business in your spare bedroom and now you have a retail location. The digital product world works the exact same way. Start it out super small and test the waters and grow it. And then you can grow into the more expensive, more dedicated solutions as you grow with your business. So yeah, we've given people a ton of information in this episode. I seriously hope I haven't overwhelmed folks with all of the little different options, but this is one of the places it's in my wheelhouse. Well, they can always come back and listen when they're ready. Absolutely. All right. So our three big three for this is map it out to start off with, get your idea together, then produce it and then deliver it. It's a pretty simple three-step process when I say it that way, but it's going to expand and get more complex for you as you uh, progress through those. But hang in there, take it small steps at a time and you will have it. That's right. Have a great day, everyone. Just a reminder, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the Business Animal Podcast. This, You guys have no idea how huge this is for us. It helps our podcast get found by other small animal-based business owners out there. So just taking a couple minutes to tap that little star or that number review and then writing a couple nice words makes us super happy and we so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.